The other thing I thought about the other day in kind of debating the whole, hey, if they don't get Yamamoto, where do you go? It made me think back to something I said in late July. I was very strongly opinionated that it was going to be a mistake to make a certain move that they did. And then once they made the move, you make peace with it and you start to say, boy, that was smart. But as we sit here in the middle of December, I think back to the discussion we had around Justin Verlander. And that discussion was, I get trading Max, kind of damaged goods at this point. You got Luis Angel Acuna back. I think I got his pronunciation right from the last Rico. Okay, fine. But if you trade Verlander too, how do you replace him? That was my biggest issue back in July. You can get some great prospects back, and hopefully those prospects turn out to be something. And we will see with Drew Gilbert what he turns into and Ryan Clifford. So no offense to those guys. But how do you replace Justin Verlander? Well, guess what? How differently would we feel about this team if Verlander was still here? If Scherzer was the one who was gone? And right now, we were looking at a rotation of Quintana, Senga, Verlander, Severino. One more arm, you feel pretty good about the rotation. You get Yamamoto, that's an elite rotation because Verlander still had something. Unlike Scherzer, Verlander wasn't showing signs of major decline. Now, I admit what I'm saying is very short-sighted because Drew Gilbert can become a star. Ryan Clifford can become a star. But the reason I bring this up is it reminded me of why I was against trading Verlander. I was against trading Verlander because you were now going to need to replace another starting pitcher. Well, guess what? We're sitting here in the middle of December. They've added one starting pitcher, and we're all racking our brain to figure out how the hell they're going to fill two if they don't get their number one target in Yoshinabu Yamamoto. So ask yourself this. Just ask it. Would we have been better off if we didn't make the Verlander trade? Not long term. I admit that because you got two young prospects that could turn out to be stars. But in terms of viewing even the next two years, even 2025, include that. Wouldn't they have been better off in building a rotation, having him still here? The answer is yes and no. I admit that. The yes is yes, it'd be easier to build a rotation. The no would be, but what about Drew Gilbert and Ryan Clifford and how great they can be? They may be great. They may not be. We'll find out. The problem is we may not find out this year. It may take a few years to find out. But my concern about trading Verlander remains true all these months later. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't have done it. That doesn't mean I regret it. But it does mean that the concern around trading Verlander exists right now today as the Mets look to build a rotation. Because whether they get Yamamoto or not, And we'll ask Pete if he's confident. I have no confidence. They need to add multiple starting pitchers. Yamamoto is meeting with multiple teams. We found out about Steve Cohen going to Japan a couple of weeks ago. The Yankees met with him on Monday. The Dodgers met with him on Tuesday. I think he's meeting with the Giants. He's meeting with the Red Sox. He's meeting with the Blue Jays. Hopefully, we'll get a decision in a week. Right now, my confidence level is at 2%. Where's yours on the Mets getting Yamamoto? 2% 2% is a little low. Um, <laughs> is it? I, I think so. Listen, I know the Dodgers, what they did with Otani is stupid right now, and I feel like they're just about to just sweep up everybody that's uh, elite, of which there's not many elite free agents out there, but I feel like they're about to do that. Um, I still think there's a 
a huge chance the Mets can outbid anybody. That's the problem is. And it, will Steve Cohen decide to outbid everybody? And what, that's what he's going to have to do. It's going to be about the money at the end of the day. He's going to have to go 350 maybe 375 for whatever, how many years on a guy that we don't know how he's going to pitch. So I, I will say this much. Am I 50-50? No, I'm not. But I would say I would put them in between 20-25% that they'll still land Yamamoto. All right. Higher than me, still not that high. I mean, it's not an overwhelming confidence. You said when you're two. in your 20s. You said two. <laughs> Who's said two? two? I thought you said 2%. I thought you said 2%. No, I'm at 2%. You're at 25%. It's not like That's, 25 is that high is my point. It's better than 2%, though. <laughs> That's my point. I don't know what's caused me to be so negative over the last week. And it's not like an overall negativity about the team. It was more the way the Otani thing went down. And even now with Yamamoto, maybe it's I'm around too many Yankee fans that are confident. And I'm watching the Dodgers bring down the Otani CBT to 45 million, thinking, ah, they must have something up their sleeve. And maybe it's just looking at the Yankees and looking at the Dodgers and thinking, we're just not as good. So what's the appeal to him? Is the appeal pitching with Kodai Senga or is the appeal simply Cohen's going to overwhelm him with money? Cohen has to overwhelm him with money. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I will not complain about the overpay because I think sometimes when you're a franchise that's trying to change your past, you have to overpay. I used this example recently, but I think it's a good one, is when the Nationals grossly overpaid for Jason Worth. And when that contract first came out, people were critical saying, how could you pay Jason Worth all that money? And the thought was, well, the Nationals have to change the perception about them. And to get a free agent, not that Worth was a superstar, but he was a good player, you have to grossly overpay. So I think the Mets are in a spot where if you want to compete with the brand and even success of the New York Yankees, and you want to compete with the brand and certainly the success of the LA Dodgers, you got to pay a Met tax. And that's okay. So that's why I make that promise to everybody out there that I will not mock or complain about whatever contract they're forced to get Yamamoto if they're lucky enough to get Yamamoto. Now, we have a lot of emails of people mad at me for my opinion on Shohei Otani and Steve Cohen. So we will address them. But first, on a lighter note, Sean writes, I figured out a way to curse the New York Yankees. Ooh, Pete Hoffman's ears perked up. Tell me more. I'm sure as a fan of politics and history, you're familiar with George Santos and his ridiculous story. <laughs> I am. I, we are all familiar, I think, with George Santos, who just got thrown out of Congress. Two things. As you remember, prior to the 2023 season, he filmed a video saying, wearing a Mets jersey, in which he said, let's go Mets. By the way, we play that as a drop on Evan and Tiki. <laughs> if you've ever wondered or heard a let's go Mets drop, That drop is George Santos, so I'm definitely familiar with it. Many believe that this cursed the 2023 season. Even Mets players in the locker room supposedly believe that Santos cursed the Mets. Number two, George Santos is obviously no longer in Congress and now has been doing cameos. I believe if we can pay George Santos to make a Let's Go Yankees cameo, maybe include Juan Soto, we could sabotage their season. And wouldn't it be hilarious? Yes. Would it be a hilarious meme for baseball Twitter? Yes, it would. It's only $500 for a cameo. Thoughts on Hoff stepping up and paying for it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, how much does he cost, though? Let's be serious here. I'm not not opposed to financial benefiting our our, our team. You know, I, I I could live with it. Is it like five hundred for Santos? It's five hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, look at it well, this way: if all of us put in five dollars, how many people would we need to pay off the five hundred bucks? That's like fifty people. Is that what it is? Fifty people? Uh, no. No, that doesn't add up correctly. Hold on no. a second. <laughs> five carries zero. People. No, ten people's fifty bucks. <laughs> So a hundred people, we need a hundred people at $5 a head and we're good for $500. All right. So we should get a GoFundMe going on. <laughs> go so for me to get, to get George Santos to just chant. Let's go Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, I have to tell you, it's a very, very good idea. Very good idea. Appreciate also the emails on the random Met game. We should watch. I discussed on the last Rico that we will have a podcast rewatching game seven of the 06 NLCS due to popular demand, but then we should also pick a random game. So a lot of really good random games. Uh, let's get to the people mad at me about Otani. I know Pete was mad at me too. We'll start off with Rafael Vasquez. Rafael writes, Evan loved the Rico. You mentioned in the previous Rico, the Otani free agency and the Mets level of involvement. As a person who's worked at an agency, I was not an agent, nor did they have superstar clients. I just wanted to clarify a bit on how the process actually works, whether we as fans like the process or not. At the start of free agency, the agents get calls on players from teams interested. Agents then rely information of the players as they receive it. But in the meantime, the agent and the player have a pretty good understanding of what the player is looking for, whether it's just money, location, winning, or a combination of things. Out of the teams that are interested, assuming there's multiple teams, the player and agent then narrow down the teams and continue having conversations and start negotiating with those teams alone since they fit the player's criteria. Teams are not holding an auction for players. They don't just make blind offers, hoping the highest bidder wins. It truly takes two to tango. The fact that Steve Cohen did not make an offer is not surprising and is how business is done. If Steve or any other owner would just start blindly making offers, every agent would try to get an offer from Steve Cohen so they can use it as leverage with other teams. I'm sure the Mets made the call to see what Otani wanted, and if the agent never reached out to the richest owner, it was telling he was not concerned only about money, location, and winning matters more to Otani in this case. Fans should recalibrate their expectations that Cohen will get every free agent he targets simply because he has the most money. Will the Mets get more players than before, Cohen? Absolutely. But players truly make these decisions thinking of their families, their futures, and a host of other factors. I truly believe in Steve Cohen, and my confidence in him has only strengthened since the hiring of David Stearns. He is that good. Also, for the love of God, yes, Steve has the most money, but every team has a billionaire owner, and most could afford Otani to all the love, Raph. Yes, there's a lot of billionaire owners. In fact, the owner of the Oakland A's is a billionaire, and he treats that team like a piggy bank. So I get that. I go back to CC Sabathia. CC Sabathia was a free agent after the 2008 season, and the Yankees wanted him. And he didn't want the Yankees. 
And there were reports that CC Sabathia was calling other teams, specifically in California, to drum up interest because he did not want to go to the New York Yankees. But the Yankees persisted. And they persisted. And they persisted. And they did it with offers and whining and dining and pushing and pushing. And they finally got him. So I don't believe necessarily that, well, the agent didn't reach out. Like, that's a simple throwaway. That's it? The agent didn't reach out and we move on? And it also jumped out at me how quickly Cohen and the Mets were out there after Otani signed to immediately say that, almost as if it was like a damage control type of thing. Benji Horowitz writes, embarrassing take on Otani. I was very disappointed in your Otani take. This is up there with your quote, I no longer trust the franchise DeGrom after Jake left last year. Did I say that? (laughs) I probably did. I was pretty emotional. When the Mets got Steve Cohen, you know what I expected? An owner that would overhaul every aspect of the franchise development, analytics, scouting, and yes, of course, being in on the biggest free agents. But what you described as the caricature of what we were all expecting is essentially George Steinbrenner, which is not all that great. As a baseball historian yourself, you know as well as I do that George had plenty of flaws to go along with the great affinity for buying the best players. This is not what I personally expected nor wanted. When Cohen bought the team, I didn't want George Steinbrenner or Fred Wilpon, obviously. I wanted to be on in on the free agents while also keeping young talent and doing things the smart way. By the way, I agree with all of this so far. Like, the bad of George Steinbrenner, by the way, and I'll continue with the rest of Benji's email, was that he was firing guys year after year. Was that he had no patience and wanted to trade all his prospects. I haven't suggested any of that. I'm with Cohen on a lot of what he's done. The caricature I described in the last Rico is the caricature of a guy who wasn't going to take no for an answer from a free agent, who was going to walk into a room and say, here's all the money in the world. I want you as a player. So I never envisioned George Steinbrenner, especially the bad version of George Steinbrenner. Anyhow, Benji goes on. I thought you did too. The idea of keeping young talent and doing things the smart way which is why I was blown away by how awful a take this was. (laughs) Shoei Otani for $700 million isn't smart, not off a second Tommy John, not when the team is not ready, and not off a career year hitting-wise. In order for him to be worth it on the field, he needs to put up a 10-war every single year into his late 30s. I don't see that, do you? You wanted him to make the largest offer. Why? Just because he has it? That's Steinbrenner logic and not the good kind. I'm glad the Mets are operating this way. Think they'll be better off. Kind regards. All right, let me attack a couple of things on this. Number one, Otani was always going to get a contract that was never going to match the performance he was going to give you. Let me make that clear. You were never going to sign him, and he was never going to match that contract. I give, I give you a newsflash. This, as good as Aaron Judge is, do you think Aaron Judge is going to match the contract he just got over the course of nine years? No chance. No chance. Do you think Juan Soto is going to match the contract he's about to get? No chance. Very few guys match the contract they're about to get. So here's my big disagreement, Benji. You don't want to sign any free agent. If your attitude's going to be, there's no way you live up to that contract. Because 
nobody lives up to their contract. Unless you're getting Randy Johnson on a four-year deal and he's winning a Cy Young every year, no one does it. You have to know you're overpaying. Obviously, there was a lot of risk attached to Shohei Otani. But there's two things you left out. Number one, the business side of that contract. If you looked at Otani's contract simply as a performance-based contract, of course it was never going to be worth it. You as a franchise, whether you're the Dodgers, the Mets, or anybody else, is bringing a ton of that money back in advertisements, in ticket sales, in ratings. Otani is a moneymaker. So when you look at that number and you just say $700 million, how could you live up to that from a baseball statistical standpoint? Of course you can't. That's number one. Number two, the reward is what you're bidding on. And I think his timeline fits the Mets. He's not even pitching this year. If the Mets are trying to win in 2025, 2026, that's when if you're ever going to get the most of his pitching, that's when you're getting it, along with him being a big-time slugger. So I disagree with a lot of those three sentences. The contract, the war he has to put up, that it wasn't going to be a smart contract. I'm telling you right now, what contract are you going to hand out in free agency that you're going to say is smart over the life of it? Juan Soto is going to get 15 years and $600 million. Does that mean you're not interested? Because, wow, he's not going to be good at 36 or 37. 